heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your host and game master. This week, we're playing Hearts of Magic. Hearts of Magic is a game about political intrigue, messy interpersonal relationships, and of course, the nature of magic. It was designed by Erica Shepard using Firebrands as a base. And it's actually my first time playing a Firebrand system. I actually gathered the crew that we recorded with to play something else, so Hearts of Magic was a surprise all around. And at every moment, I was delighted about it. Firebrands-based games collect several micro-games that players can use to guide scenes, which means each scene has mechanics which are tailored to curate specific feelings. It's an RPG made out of micro-games. And although I don't have experience with other Firebrand-style games, I feel confident in saying that Hearts of Magic is an exceptional example of this type of game. I had so much fun, and I can see replaying this over and over, even making almost exactly the same choices I did, and still discovering new fun with it. Hearts of Magic had a Kickstarter that ran a while ago, however, the delivery date on it is supposed to be soon. So I recommend everyone go check out Hearts of Magic. You can get the PDF on Itch, we'll be linking that. And if you have an opportunity to pick up a physical copy, I'd recommend that too. Like I said, I had so much fun with this one. We're going to get to the episode in a second, but before we do, I want to remind everybody that right now we have a new book in the One Shot Book Club. For members of our Patreon who are contributing $15 a month or more, about every month or so, we get you access to a brand new free RPG PDF. And this month, folks, the deal is amazing because we're getting you both Numenera core books. That's the Numenera 2 Discovery and Destiny combo. That is several hundred pages worth of setting information, rules, and of course, character creation tools. If you haven't heard our beloved Numenera series run by the spectacular Darcy Ross, I recommend that you check them out as soon as you can. Maybe after you're done listening to this week's episode. Then, if you happen to be a book club Patreon backer, head over to Patreon and get yourself a copy of these books for free because they rule. Oh, finally, before we get rolling on this series, I want to point out uh, that Hearts of Magic has some adult themes to it. Uh, characters get in pretty intimate situations in the game, like normally, that is just a place that it can go. Uh, but in our session, definitely. Nothing really graphic happens on screen, but we do talk about characters being in some pretty adult situations. So if you're sensitive about that sort of thing, or you, for some reason, listen to our show with young people in the room, uh, just be aware of that. It's not going to be in this episode, but especially part two and especially part three of this series, things get spicy. With that out of the way, I'll see you in the mid-roll, heroes. All right, heroes, let's meet our party for this week. First up, we've got a voice that y'all haven't heard in a little bit because he's been away being a huge superstar, and that's Alan Linick. Hello. Alan, welcome to the show. I'm excited to be here. I love, uh, like all of my comedian friends, uh, as soon as anybody compliments you even the slightest bit, you immediately laugh at your own successes. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, Alan... We are going to be playing a game called Heart of Magic, and it is about magic and bureaucracy. Can't wait. Yeah, which is very exciting. Uh, so uh, y you know how it's a super common genre, uh, bureaucratic magic? Well, what's your favorite uh, bureaucratic magic property? Um, you say? I think my favorite bureaucratic magic property is probably, uh, and I'm sure I'm going to get responses about my pronunciation of this, the the Bartimius trilogy by Jonathan Stroud. Ooh, this is new to me. Uh, it's pretty good. The, yeah, I'd always heard it pronounced Bartimaeus. That's, I, I assumed that that's what people will say. But I, I've always thought that since he was uh, like an Egyptian, like a Grecian, Grecian, uh, spirit entity um that it would probably be pronounced bartimius or something that just feels more roman -y or like grecian to me but uh it's a great book series of books really uh, about a world in which magic is strictly regulated because effectively it is only done by the summoning and like bending of different kinds of spirits to your wills Ooh. so like you can make enchanted items, but in order to do it, you literally imprison a thing. The soul, yeah. yeah. You, you like imprison like a spirit into like 
a, a you know a mint box or whatever. I love it. I love um, that horror element to it. It's great, and it fo- and it follows the two main characters in the book are a young wizard who wants to be like the next big wizard, mm-hmm. um, and the demon he summons, um, who quickly learns his real name. Uh, so they end up in like that, and that's like a dangerous thing. Uh, yeah, if you know anything about summoning demons. Um, you don't want to do that. You always use a fake name for yeah, the demon. But the world is like truly mired in this weird British style, like uh, lords, lords and parliament mm-hmm. bureaucracy. And it's it's almost more interesting watching the politics side of it than it is doing the magic stuff. That is fascinating. I'll have to check that out. It's cool. Um, next up is going to be the person who's actually going to be leading the game. Normally, uh, I learn these games beforehand, but Adira Slattery actually made a, or, or used this game as inspiration for one of her games. So we're, we're just going to let Adira take us away on this one. Adira, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks. It's great to have me. This is like a pretty big streak for you. Great to have me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. It's great to have you. Yeah. Uh, this is a pretty big streak for you. We've had yeah, you on guess, a, a, yeah. a grip of episodes recently. Yeah, wow. A bunch of episodes, yeah. This is, uh, I think, a pretty good record that you've set so far uh, for yeah. this year. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you might be like battling with Ali Barthwell, Alex Manich, and JPC for most representation in a single year. Uh, we'll leave that for the fans to suss out. But, Adira, what I wanted to know, what is your favorite bureaucratic magic uh, uh, media property? So... I was having a little bit of trouble figuring out that uh, exactly mm-hmm. when I heard you mention it earlier. I was like, oh, shit, that's going to come around back to me and I got to come up with an answer. And I think my answer is Hellboy. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Because um, it's about like balancing different like bureaucratic obligations as part of like this like governmental agency and also weird magic shit. And there's a scene where like a bunch of demons are like super upset about him eating pancakes. Um, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. That, th- that, that is a really, really good choice for that genre. Cause like it, it's like all of the ones that I can think of are a little bit dry. Like I'm a big fan of, of Jonathan strange and Mr. Norrell. Um, Oh, I love that one, but it's like super dry to the point that it has like footnotes on pretend history where Hellboy still definitely is mired in bureaucracy, but there's also a lot of punching in killing Nazis. So I like killing Nazis. Uh, well, Adira, Please, I, I hope we get to do a little bit of that in this game. Uh, or maybe Nazis don't exist because that's a better universe. Uh, we'll find out. Uh, please tell us about Hearts of Magic. Yeah, so Hearts of Magic is designed by the wonderful Erica Shepard. Um, it is uh, a game uh, in the vein of The King is Dead and Firebrands by Vincent Baker. And the general structure of the game is it's a bunch of little, like, effectively like micro games that you're playing over and over again in rounds and rounds with the same characters and uh, building up relationships and stabbing each other and kissing each other. And it's a lot of fun. Rad. Um, so how do we play? The first thing you do when you open it up is it very easily explains everything you got to do. You just read through a little bit out loud. Um, I'm going to sort of skim some of this because uh, we've already read most of it. Well, some of us have. Yeah, James didn't do the homework. Well, if reading aloud is part of it, I can take yeah, a cold read it. on this. Okay. Introduction. A time of peace in the city. For as long as the official histories record, the city has always been a peaceful, quiet backwater, an island city-state nominally ruled by the distant order, but long left to its own devices, controlled by the hereditary families euphemistically known as the lords and ladies. With few natural resources to take advantage of, the leaders of the order deemed the city too far away and too insignificant to warrant direct intervention. The lords and ladies of the city were free to hold their power with the fey magic of promises and prophecy. And while the city never became rich or powerful, its seclusion and relative freedom from watchful eyes of the order made it a haven for all kinds of people from across the plain. Recently, though, a shifting ley line has charged the city with magical energies, and the Order is newly interested in exploring and exploiting the potential wealth and power there. Hundreds of anarchist bureaucrats trained in the discipline of entropomancy have been dispatched to the city. 
under the orders of a powerful proctor in the order. Since practicing magic without appropriate instruction is forbidden by the order, their soldiers are tasked with with enforcing both law and regulation regarding its practice, meaning the lords and ladies can no longer profit directly from harnessing the new magical energy here. Thankfully, the handover of power has been peaceful orderly, and effectively managed. While some minor conflicts have arisen between lords and ladies, the peoples of the city and the anarchist bureaucrats of the order, uh, there has practically been no bitter civil wars of resistance between the entrenched aristocracy and the imperial bureaucracy. When a headstrong noble house is stripped of their lands and holding without the force of arms to defend themselves, it is quote-unquote peaceful. When a coven of self-described witches tries to instruct their fellow citizens to practice their own magic, the order responds by cracking down on private gatherings and public speech. This, quote-unquote, is also orderly. When, after having their homes and lands taken, a noble family takes their revenge on the agents of the order, seizing magical artifacts and taking back territory, a group of citizens takes the opportunity to organize for a district of their own to exercise freedom and independence, and the order responds with martial law, wide-scale magical suppression, and fighting in the streets, and magic in the air. These are called minor conflicts. This obviously can't be a war. There are things out there in the night and the dark who notice things like a war. To even suggest otherwise might attract their attention. So there are two other things that we should probably read out loud really quick. Mm -hmm. Uh, Alan, if you want to get to the end of your booklet, And if you want to read chapter four on the substance of magic, the excerpt from the theoretical and practical magic volume two. Sure. What page is that? Page 29. Chapter four on the substance of magic. This is an excerpt from theoretical and practical magic volume two. Like coal dust or gunpowder in the air or a lightning bolt about to strike, magic is a volatile and dangerous force when undirected. But, like coal in a steam engine or gunpowder in a cannon, when properly harnessed, magic can be used as a tool or as a weapon. Years of training are required to focus latent magic into a practical effect without risk of side effects. See Chapter 8, Patterns and Harmony. The universities of the Order are dedicated to this craft of entropomancy, conjuring organization through chaos, the manipulation of seemingly random patterns of motion, words, or objects, in order to produce a wide variety of magical results, etc. Those touched by fey power can use latent or environmental magic to enforce ancient laws of contract, calling on true names or the spirits of nature to ensure promises are kept. An affinity for the natural world also allows those with fey patronage to build massive structures from living wood or to call on the stones themselves to make room. See Appendix G on construction. As a side note from the order, um, these magics are prohibited. While magic, also known as chaos or energy, exists across much of the plane, Certain shifts in the flow of magic across the plane can create confluences or suffusions of concentrated magic, intensifying both the danger and the potential of harnessing that magic. It has been speculated that the ancient capital city known as the Lost Throne disappeared at the height of its power in a confluence of two powerful ley lines. This is false propaganda. (laughs) Stories of three or more ley lines intersecting, causing intense focuses of magic or transforming regions or towns into oases of magic, are almost certainly apocryphal. The consequences of such an alignment could be devastating for the region or for anyone who wants to harn who were to harness this magic recklessly. See chapter twenty or chapter nineteen. Visitors, witnesses, and things not to speak of. Historical record is absent of any incursions of the scale that would inevitably occur if such intense magical concentrations were reached. The last thing we're going to read out loud is called Cultures, Genders, and Sexualities in the City. The city lies at a crossroads between species, cultures, continents. Magic allows those with access to it to manipulate their appearance or body, and every day, people from distant cities arrive on ships to trade, visit, or make a new home in this cosmopolis. Your options for your character are limited only by your imagination and by the tone of your game. The city is home to peoples of any type and any gender you can dream. Even among the lords and ladies, there are lords who are not men and ladies who are not women and those among them who are neither. 
the city can be generally assumed to be a place where differences in species, culture, and gender will be ignored or accepted, unless the players at the table agree that they want to explore the ways this isn't true. In other words, while exploring the experience of suffering oppression can be an important part of playing games and telling stories together, games can also be a way to escape from the oppression that many in the world face daily. Make sure you and your fellow players are on the same page about these things. Class differences, meanwhile, are an integral part of the faction structure of the city. Exploring the conflict between wealth, the wealth and nobility of the lords and ladies, the authority of the order, and the revolutionary instinct of the witches is encouraged, as is exploring what it looks like to be a powerless or down-on-your-luck noble, or a disgraced bureaucrat, or a wealthy mage. While playing your character and framing scenes, remember that the object of the game is to create messy entanglements. Don't be afraid to let your characters fall for each other, steal time together, and otherwise get into mischief between them. But always, always, make sure that all players involved are comfortable. Before starting the game, and whenever anyone frames a stealing time together scene, be sure to discuss what sort of content the players are comfortable with showing on screen, where to draw a line or fade to black, and never bring a player into a game that they are not comfortable playing. Setting expectations before the scene starts is also acceptable. Saying, my character isn't interested in reciprocating, but I enjoy seeing with where you hit on them and they shut you down in increasingly comic ways. <laughs> Can be much safer and more fun for players than going into a scene where the player's expectations differ. Okay. Yeah, so each of us has already picked one of the three factions within the city uh, that our characters are going to be representing. Um, each of us is uh, representing a different faction, and we're going to introduce our characters very briefly now. Once we have introduced our characters, we're going into playing games. The first game that everybody plays together is called Solitaire, where we each play the game individually and don't talk. <laughs> Great radio. <laughs> At the end of playing Solitaire, uh, we will talk a little bit about some different things. And Solitaire will also inform different aspects of our characters moving forward as we go into the game. Then we are going to go around, starting with any one of us, and pick one of the games to play. Play that game, then keep going around and around and around until any of us wants to stop. When we're ending the game, we can only do so once all of us has gone at least once. Then we go around one more time after somebody has declared, let's wrap up the game. And when we do this, going around one last time, we bring up any unresolved questions we have about the other characters' fates. So we think the possible outcomes could be, uh, and other players can contribute possible outcomes as well. As we go around just sort of answering questions and wrapping up where we are in the world. All right, so we're obviously going to be hacking this game in that we're going to be playing Solitaire Aloud. Uh, so that's, um, the first thing. And I think we'll just do that in sequence. Like we would do uh turn order for the rest of the game, uh, just because we want to show off as much as possible. Uh, so with that, uh, let's, let's introduce our characters. I think, um, Adira, why don't you get us started? Yeah. So I am playing Kasema. She is a witch. Uh, the witches are a group that has no central authority and no, real unification they are uh, anarchist socialist revolutionaries the witches are all self-taught in how they channel magic and do variety of large wild elemental things kasema is a candle maker and she is idealistic funny and kind cool uh alan Yes. Uh, my name is Thomas Bingham. I represent the Order, specifically the Away Agency of Reconnoitering and Direction of Villainous Augury Ritual and Casting, or Aardvark for short. <laughs> I am a magical auditor, and I would like to reiterate that there is no such thing as witches. Self-practice is not allowed, and anyone who purports to be a witch should be reported upon by friends and family for immediate psychiatric evaluation. Uh, it's about helping. It's about helping and stopping things mm -hmm. from getting out of control. Because at the end of the day, what the order is about is ritual, routine, and normalcy. We're looking at uh, our ways of manipulating magic basically revolve around establishing routines and then using the things that are familiar to us to manipulate our surroundings rather than just letting unbridled chaotic magical forces rip apart our laws and very nature, which I think we can all agree, Is all agree would be bad. <laughs> would, be, it would be bad and put us all at great risk. Um, I'm here to do some investigating of these ley line shiftings that have been happening in the city 
because I represent the agency as a magical auditor who basically uh, I'm effectively a combination of like a CIA operative and an IRS accountant um, who reports back to a rigid hierarchy at home. And the three adjectives that describe me are bookish, confident, and sophisticated. Nice. That rules. Uh, I am going to be playing representing the faction of lords and ladies. Uh, they are fey creatures that have an ancestral connection to this land. Uh, I have been raised to believe the land here is a part of who I am. And its powers are mine to command and always have been. The change in ley lines here merely represents a natural shifting in the powers of the land, which again should be something that I and my family reap the direct benefits of. It has been agreed upon through ancient contracts that this land should be ours, and I don't think anyone wants to violate a contract. Uh... My name is the sound of wind rattling bones, and I come from House Rapture. Uh, rapture is not rapture the word. It is the feeling that you experience, uh, as is the sound of wind rattling bones. I merely say it in language so that it will be easier in casual conversation. But were you to experience my name, you would both hear that sound and experience that feeling. Also, my magic is mostly harnessed through my natural surroundings. Uh, it has natural laws. It cannot affect iron, steel, or lead. But my magic can be amplified by focused moonlight, nature, or running water. And the true power of my magic is through true names and obligations. Uh, I also have the ability to disguise things, enchant things, and confound living creatures. Uh, my qualities are glamorous, otherworldly, and passionate. And finally, I have soldiers. Uh, they are things under my command. And I believe we'll uh, understand the full extent of what those might be as we play the game. Yeah. So uh, the first game to play is Solitaire. Solitaire is traditionally uh, played quietly um, by yourself. Each of us will play um, and then when solitaire ends, uh, we will we would talk about something that people might notice and things that people will have heard about it. Gossip, rumors, intelligence, things like that. Uh, there's a different solitaire page for each faction, and each page has a few different little uh, sentences that you pick the beginning, and then that gives you a few different options for the end of the sentence that you then select. Um, so let's do that now really quick. Okay, and like I said, because that's not going to make for super great radio, I believe we're going to have to do this little bit of solitaire aloud. But perhaps mm. as ASMR. <laughs> mm, I don't know about that one. Okay, uh, I feel that's up for another time. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. Um, so let's everyone pick your solitaire thing that you want to do and we'll be playing solitaire more than once during the game i imagine uh anyone can pick to play solitaire as uh their action okay okay so i guess mark off the one that you have selected uh just so we know that we're moving forward everybody ready yes cool kasema uh i selected that she has been staying quiet to avoid suspicion uh and but because of that, she has gotten the good graces of a lord or lady. Uh, and I would like to propose to James that that lord or lady that Kasema is now in the good graces of is uh, the sound of wind rattling bones from House Rapture. Excellent. Um, I like that a lot. Uh, in what way do you think you've attained good graces? Um, I think that something that everyone else might notice about this is that the sound of wind rattling bones has been frequenting Kasema's candle shop recently mm. um, as the sound of wind rattling bones has been buying candles. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I have been making more than one trip to a can to this candle shop and I think you have helped me greatly, I think, in a way that uh, I would not have anticipated of someone of, uh, you know, the, the improper status, uh, as it were. Mm -hmm. um, typically, I would be sending out a soldier to 
you know, make a purchase like this. So paltry is this rather than deal with it myself. Um, and I think that's probably one of the reasons that, that I have jumped to this conclusion that, oh, this person is a special person because I have just been making assumptions my whole life and never really interacted with people who aren't supposed to be controlling magic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have to ask, uh, what, what does your character think of winning my character's favor? Cause mm. I'm not great. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Kasema is keeping that pretty close to her chest right now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a lot of what she is thinking about is mostly what can she use this for. Excellent. I, I like that. I, I, I kind of picture this. Um, have you ever seen the film uh, Life is Beautiful? Nope. It's uh, a very good movie. It is a Holocaust movie, so it might not be everyone's cup of tea. Uh, but they're, the the main character of that movie is like a part of a wait staff in a hotel. Um, and there's a doctor that stays at that hotel who every day will challenge this waiter with a riddle. And he'll solve it instantly. And the doctor has just ever so much fun. And of course, it's you know revealed later in the movie that this doctor is actually a nazi and that person helps uh this man secret his wife out of danger in the concentration camps so it, it's very much of i am delighted by your intellect and constantly am bringing you new puzzles and challenges to observe how you solve them and like i'm waiting for you to fail and you never do and i think the challenges are increasingly abstract uh there are days where i have entered your establishment and just placed a leaf on the table and sat back and crossed my arms waiting for you to discern the mystery of the leaf or perhaps appreciate the leaf in that i in the ways that i know it must be exalted and appreciated being such an exemplary sample of leafdom yeah that sounds great so alan what'd you do for solitaire i chose that uh, i've been wandering around trying to warn people how dangerous the magic here is, and as if to prove my point, I witnessed a disaster, um, which I think is pretty fun, and I leave open to both of you to be involved in in any way you see fit. Um, well, what's the disaster? I, I, uh, I, I think I, I'm going about um, passing, passing out pamphlets and, you know, making the necessary warnings using the language that was dictated to me by my superior officers. And uh, I hear some screaming, which is strange because screaming should be relegated to the hours of 2 and 4 p.m. on this particular day of the week. So I run to the courtyard, um, which I, I later am so embarrassed about that I write into my report specifically that I ran because that's that's kind of embarrassing and unbecoming of a person of my position to well, do. It was it wasn't known as an emergency. If it was an emergency, you'd been able to run. But... No one was calling specifically for help. Yeah. So I ran. Uh, I did unprompted. I did do some unprompted running, um, and I'm prepared to take uh, penitence actions for those. That, that well, offense. we might even want to back off the charge from full running. It was more of an excited it, jog. It yeah. was enough to send my coattails flapping. A which, bit of a hop, skip, and a jump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was impri- improper. At, Certainly at improper. Maybe not full running worthy punishment. Right. Again, that's something for you know at, uh, at, betters to decide. That, I'm going to leave that up to my superiors. At, at very least, I know it was embarrassing. Um, at worst, it's illegal. Um <laughs> But I did do uh, perhaps a more jaunty than his proper walk um, towards this the site of this loud, disturbing noise. Um, and what I saw before me was that uh, the ground and some of the area, uh, there's like these two columns in a central gazebo, very nicely designed, perfectly symmetrical as all things should be. And a person and the pillars and the gazebo structure itself, as well as the stairs leading up to it, in what looks like a a sphere that was centered on the person, kind of like expanding outward about 10 feet, um, have basically turned 100% to different colors of chalk. Um, So we're just looking at like, uh, if you've ever seen one of those like rainbow chalk sticks that like children draw with that as it as you use it up, it like changes colors as you go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that. So it's just, just chalk, um, which is, is a pain for a couple of reasons. One, um, not uh, a building material established in code. Mm-hmm. For uh, sure. Yeah. 
to the the cleaning and removal of chalk is likely to kick up dust, which then requires further cleaning. So that's that's two separate departments that would have to handle that at this point. And God knows whose jurisdiction that's in. And yeah, that, that's exactly right. I'm here to audit the use of magic. Clearly, the magic here has already been done. This is now something that falls under the purview of perhaps like a, a, a districting and zoning executive, something like that. So uh, I, I I'm like trying to explain to everyone around here. You know, this is what happens when, you know, they're like, do something, do something. And I, I, I keep explaining, I can't. This is, my hands are really tied here. I'd love to, and I'm totally capable of turning this person from chalk back into flesh and blood. Um, but I, I, in a way, am incapable. Because yeah, because it's, it's not it's not an ongoing spell. It's, it's it, exactly, a, it has completed. It's and completed. that th- at that point, it falls to a different department. Um Unfortunately, everyone I know who works in the uh, reversing and undoing of magic's department, um, or IMD, uh, <laughs> as it is slangily called by those of us low enough to practice slang. Um, I'm sorry, IMD? IMD. Uh, the, the, yeah, that's right. Uh, it stands for something. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's classified. But the the closest known member of that organization that I'm aware of uh, is at uh, uh, a settlement called The Harbor, which is at least seven days' travel from here. So um, once the proper paperwork has gone through the channels and been approved, you're looking at maybe 10 to 11 days before this person is turned back from chalk. There will be lasting effects. I explain this to everyone very calmly. They don't take it well. The longer the spell goes on, in fact, the worse those effects will be. Absolutely. We're looking at, like, organ displacements. <laughs> really gruesome stuff that, that makes you wonder and question why a bunch of untrained, rabble-rousing heathens, I'm going to use that word, um, would go about messing with things that they don't understand and, <laughs> quite frankly, don't have the clearance for. Um, the worst part. That's the part I'm that disgusts me most. a lot of pointed glances toward me. <laughs> well, it just feel like maybe if... Uh, and glancing around here, judging by the ratty clothes and like the... Uh, I have no direct evidence, but it just stinks of like badly done magic around here. Mm-hmm. I just wish some of these folks and their like ratty secret friends who hang out in their hoods and like dabble with forces that are not open to them based on their stature and lack of proper licensing. Um, it feels like now we've seen the consequences and maybe people should stop doing this. Yeah. And confident that my job has been cleanly and effectively done, I leave the scene because <laughs> there are reports now to write about this situation. Mm-hmm. And a gang of people follow me and uh, they start yelling at me like, what, what am I doing here if I'm not here to help situations exactly like this? And I explained that my job is mostly preventative. And that you have helped. I ha- and and if, that if they don't understand the value of my words as, uh, as a form of assistance, um, then quite frankly, they need to review the standard issue handbooks provided by the order and update it on a bi-monthly basis. God, you're the evilest sort of bureaucrat. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm, I, the truth is, is that I'm really doing everything that has been allotted to me. Um, and then I return to my rooms and start conducting my reports. And wouldn't you know it, a brick comes through my window. <laughs> That's more magic, likely, because bricks are known for either being a part of the street or part of a wall. Definitely not flying through a window. No. As a matter of fact, the act of levitating an inanimate object is uh, illegal pursuant to statute 44B, section 5. And, and you, I know that. You did shout the that that out the window. I shouted 44B, <laughs> section 5, sir. Um, which was presumptuous of me because I didn't see the person and I, I presumed them to be male. And the... <laughs> And the, the real the, the real struggle of that whole situation is it, it seems like whatever spell caused it has been ongoing because more and more bricks have been just piling through that window. That's right. And and it hasn't occurred to me that maybe a rabble of people is throwing bricks. <laughs> the 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 assumption that I made and detailed in my report is that someone cast a maelstrom of bricks type <laughs> ritual spell that is basically self-activating these bricks to fly through my window with unerring accuracy. <laughs> <Splendid>. <laughs> 
Hey heroes, welcome to the mid-roll. It's James, your game master. I hope you're enjoying all the magic and the politics. I hope some of you are excited for the sexy parts, which again, I really do have to tell people that is coming up and it is a thing. I don't want to spoil parts two and three. Just, just be prepared. I don't want any complaints about this one. Uh, we got our advertisement this week and that comes to us from Tom Harrison on behalf of the Shuffle Quest podcast. ShuffleQuest is a professionally produced, ongoing comedy actual play podcast starring a trio of fantasy adventurers on a quest to save the multiverse of fiction. They travel to various weird pop culture worlds like Men in Black, Dragon Ball Z, and Sonic, you know, the hedgehog, in a hilarious ongoing campaign. They switch RPGs each arc to match the setting, which means they do play the official Men in Black RPG, and so on and so forth. And they've had guests that you might recognize, like Stephen Winchell, Brandon Leon Gambetta, and Adel Rafai. And they've even done a Frasier episode. Who doesn't love Frasier? You can listen to ShuffleQuest on any podcast app or at shufflequestpodcast.com. A huge thanks to Tom and ShuffleQuest for sponsoring our show this week. We really do appreciate it. And I got to check out that show. I have owned the official Men in Black role-playing game for over a year now. I haven't cracked the spine on it yet, but uh, I would love to see how it plays before I, you know, sit down and try and play it. So thanks, ShuffleQuest, for taking that bullet for me. Heroes, we've got some live shows coming up. Uh, first is going to be Big Bad Con, which is going to happen October 10th through the 13th. I've got a couple things going on there. I'm going to be doing a panel on work-life balance. I'm going to be playtesting a couple games. Uh, I don't know if I have any stage shows, but Big Bad Con is also a great show to come out and actually you know, sit down and play a game with me. I love teaching people Illimat and I've got some play tests that I'll be bringing to the show uh, and I'll definitely have some time for pickup stuff. Uh, so come out to Big Bad Con. It's going to be really, really good this year. Also coming up in November 9th through 10th, I am going to be in the UK for Thought Bubble. Thought Bubble is a comics festival, but uh, for some reason they invited me out as a guest and I couldn't be more thrilled. I'm going to be at a table signing copies of my books, and I'm also going to be running a panel where we're going to be playing a role-playing game uh, with some of your favorite people from comics and some of my favorite people from RPGs. I, they're actually my favorite people from comics, too. I'm very excited about this panel, and I cannot wait to do it. So join me November 9th through 10th at Thought Bubble. Also, if you are in the L.A. area, Brace yourselves for information about a potential one-shot live show coming up sometime in November. I don't have firm details yet. I do know that we intend to be out there, uh, and I would love to do a show for y'all. Finally, before we get back to the episode, folks, I wrote a new book. It is called The Ultimate RPG Gameplay Guide. It is full of role-playing theory. It includes a breakdown of the role-playing dynamics that happen at pretty much every table to help you understand things better, and advice to help you capitalize on those dynamics and create a more artful experience for your games. And finally, it has exercises that will help you at the table and away from the table improve your skills as a role-player. If you're the type of person who GM or player feels like you want to be doing your best, this is a great book for you. That's going to be coming out on October 8th, but you can pre-order a copy now from any online retailer, from most large brick-and-mortar retailers, and from your favorite indie bookstores. Uh, if you're going to a brick-and-mortar, just walk in and ask for the Ultimate RPG Gameplay Guide, or James D'Amato, and they should pull me right up. And if you do know that you want this book, please pre-order it because it really helps our sales down the line. Finally, and I'm not sure if I said finally before already, uh, I want to remind folks that we are in the process of generating a new list to thank our Patreon backers. And if you would like your name thanked on air sooner rather than later, you should sign up to support our Patreon now because it is conveniently within the time window where we generate that list. We always get around to everybody eventually, but it takes time. With all of that out of the way, let's get back to the show. Adventurers. 
James? Um, for me, I have been using my magic to travel the city. And I have found that the plants and animals of the city to be in ill health. I like to travel. I like to see the world around me. And when I do travel, I prefer birds. Birds see everything all at once, especially if you're several of them, which normally is a bit of a stretch. But now it's gentle and easy to take over a whole flock and dart about the different ins and outs of the city, watching the alleys and the people, less the people than everything else. A city is a different kind of environment. It's artificial, but things still live here. It's like if you were to scrape away the moss on a rock, life finds a way to creep back in. And I can see that life here in the city is thriving. Thriving in an unusual way. Most living creatures see thriving as something positive, something good, something to be sought after. But if you've been a part of it for long enough, you know thriving is so close in name to writhing. A mass of complicated things with ends that start in one place and go to another, and the in-between is too complicated to ever sort out. It must be untied like a Gordian knot. It must be slashed and cut down. That is unfortunately what the ley lines have caused in this area. My family sees this as a boon, and I know from my position in my house, I am to see it as a boon too. But I also see what it's doing. The order wishes to keep the magic here contained. And when magic is contained, it stays. It gravitates towards living things and it stays. And while beings are made to tolerate a certain amount of magic, everyone carries an amount of magic in their name, an amount of magic in their heart and their blood and their breath, they can only hold so much. And when magic pours in, it gets heavy. It grows to a point where the bodies and souls of beings can't hold it any longer. Today, I watched a rat die. I didn't watch it stop moving. It's still moving somewhere out there in the city, walking around in its hollowed-out corpse that it now calls a body. I watched its soul get torn asunder because the spells couldn't be released. Now, I could simply intervene. I could stand with the rat, I could focus on its energies, and I could use the magic to produce something else, perhaps even make something beautiful about something that I normally see as so ugly. But I'm not allowed to do that. I watched a man turn to chalk today as well. It was slower than I would have thought, there's a natural willpower that exists within human beings that is fascinating, in a way. It fights it like a disease. Obviously, the magic of the ley lines is far too much for any being you know, to, to hold on their own, but humans have a way of figuring things out, putting things together. And as a natural defense mechanism, the body casts a spell spontaneously. A complicated spell. Turning oneself to chalk is no small feat. Uh, the man being a witch or sorcerer, I think, would be quite an impressive specimen if, uh, if he were to continue to practice. Of course, even though it is a commendable spell to turn oneself to chalk, it's not exactly a safe one. There will be lasting effects. Obviously, when the order gets around to turning him back, it's Unfortunate that their incompetence has snuffed out this potentially bright light, but alas, that is the world we live in. All right, so now we're all going to take just gonna, turns. Just going to go ahead and pin that one on the order? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. that's, that's Seems unusual. Okay, all right. Yeah, solitaire is about, like, your own personal stuff. So, yeah. Um, uh now we're each going to take turns going around 
doing one of the games, um, which could include more solitaire. So uh, I figure I can go first, and then we'll just sort of keep going around and around until we want to stop. And then cool. we'll do the ending the game move. I am very, very excited. Cool. So uh, let's have a conversation over food. Uh, that's on pages 13 and 14. Um, all right. And my chosen partner uh, will be uh, Kasema having a meal with the sound of wind rattling bones. Now, what pronouns is the sound of wind rattling bones use? Um, I think probably it would be they, them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think pronouns make much sense. It, it's the same sort of thing. You're pronouncing their name wrong no matter yeah. what because mm-hmm. you wouldn't have the ability to pronounce it. Uh, you wouldn't have the ability to understand what the sound of wind rattling bones is anyway, mm-hmm. so you might as well use that. Okay. Set up. Ask your chosen partner how the two of you came to be eating together. Other players can join freely if it makes sense for the characters to also be present at the meal. I'm not sure it makes sense for Thomas to be at the meal yet. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, uh, and then none of us have... So if, if anyone has played Solitaire since your last game, um, which all of us have, uh, what do you notice about each other? What have you heard? So what does uh, Kasama notice about the sound of when rattling bones after their flight? I think... The eyes that they appear with are hawk size. And so they've actually, like, even though raptors stare forward, uh, their eyes are still set, like, more towards the side. So I think, like a slider in character creation of a video game, their eyes are just too far apart mm-hmm. to really feel human right now. Yeah. I would say that something that is nice about Kasema is that she has started to preemptively pack candles which are generally the candles that the sound of when rattling bones comes in to buy mm-hmm. so uh how do the two of us come to be eating together um i think i took you from your shop in the middle of the day um i convinced you that there was something very important that needed to be done mm-hmm. and it was of course eating a meal uh it you can tell this is an attempt at a reward or generosity from the sound of wind rattling bones. Mm-hmm. Uh, they understand that uh, more than for ceremonial purposes, beings of your station need to eat. Uh, and I haven't observed you eating, so clearly you haven't been. So, conducting the conversation... <laughs> Uh, we're going to take turns. The person with the lowest social standing takes the first turn. That would be Kasema. Um, it, this is very clear, so we don't have to read the it, this isn't clear section. Uh, and then on uh, each of our turns, we're going to choose one or more of uh, the, our conversational partners. We just have the two. And then choose one of the four actions. Ask a social question. Engage in just actual improvised conversation. Uh, pass, saying something about the food. Or declare that you're leaving the conversation. Uh, so I'll begin by asking one of the topical questions, which are on page 14. Um, I hope to find common ground with you about the order. Is there any? I suppose there must be. Do you have feelings about the order? Is that something that that you have feelings about? I have feelings about a great many different things. Oh, wonderful! My reading has been correct. Uh, you would be surprised how much writing is inaccurate. Mm. Why take the time to put something down on a page and trap it in a book if it's not right? Do you feel that the order has trapped everything rightly? I think that they have trapped a great deal of things in books. More things than I've cared to even investigate. Which... My family says is dangerous. What do you think? I think the magic needs to be used, and I don't think enough people are using it. And that will cause disastrous consequences. Many creatures will be hurt. Oh, right. You must have a feeling about this as well. What is your feeling? I dislike the Order's introduction to the city. Dislike? Is that a kind of hatred? It's a more polite kind of hatred. Oh, a lie. Yes, I'm familiar with these. Uh, So, a lying hatred. Why lie about hatred? Hatred is so bright. It bubbles 
in the chest. It stays tight. Keeping it any tighter, it might explode. Talking about where... Where that feeling comes from? It's not a good idea for the continuation of my business. Oh, yes, that's right. You make candles, though. That is your business. That is your purpose. The Order hasn't outlawed making candles, have they? If I am taken away from it, I will not be able to continue to conduct it. Well, yes, I could see that being a huge threat to your business, a huge threat to my ability to procure candles. I can't imagine the Order would wish to prevent you from making candles? Uh, I shall have to write a letter about this, with no lies. Well, I would ask that you not. Interesting. Why do you keep secrets? Why do you tell lies? Safety. Why do you tell lies? Uh, business. You offer lies in exchange for goods. That's how my family has conducted business over many millennia, is offer one lie, lesser lies, obviously, lies that conceal a deeper truth, uh, or lies positioned as truth, uh, in order to receive uh, goods such as names and promises and oaths. It's just business. Like you would offer a candle for money, which you would use to buy food. Yes, very, very good. I think I will ask a topical question. I'm feeling that you have earned something. <laughs> I would like to offer you an additional reward in addition to the food that you will consume with your mouth. I would like to offer you a secret. Oh. Is there something that you would like to know about me? Interesting. A secret. Obviously, it's a lesser secret. Uh, there are many things that your kind just simply does not know, and I think it would be interesting to observe what would happen if you did know something. What are your full station's status, whatever, within your house? You wish to know my position relative to the position of the others that occupy my house, yes. Yes, and what that position would afford you. Well, I keep the armies. Most houses have an army, um, mm -hmm. either built of creatures built of subjugation or ideally made from creatures that possess of will but still owe you a boon. Um, I keep and maintain our armies, uh, typically delivered to me from other deals. I issue commands on behalf of others. So I am below many, but I also keep after resources that most find quite valuable. Mm, thank you. You're welcome. How do you feel about what people are calling uh, the witches? The, 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 the witches. new people who use magic? Oh, oh, yes. Well, they're not very good at it. Mm. That's funny to you. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, how do I put this? You are temporary. Hmm. There's not much that you get. Uh, you see, you will die, and the, the power within your being will dissipate uh, and, and move to life. Uh, life is a, a, a ever-changing and evolving thing, and you get a piece of that only for so long, unless you were to extend it with names and oaths and deals and, and, and the sort of thing that, that happens within business. So if you were to do magic bad, it would make that temporary status either infinitely more temporary or horribly more permanent. You see? Hmm. Do you get the joke? I don't think I do. I'll have to read more about jokes. Tell me it again? Yes, yes, of course, of course. Um, a witch mm -hmm. is someone using 
the magic that they've always had. Mm-hmm. Magic is always everywhere because it is a part of life and it is a part of all things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's you doing what you're supposed to do, mm-hmm. but bad. You see? You might die. Yes. And it all goes away. Mm-hmm. Everything. You, you understand death? I understand death. Very oh, good. Very well. Good. Uh, or you might render yourself horribly alive forever. Mm. Or you may simply come to understand something, which is less funny. Are you alive forever? Yes. Is it horrible? Only if you think about it. That was a much better joke. <laughs> I think that's the scene. Yeah, I'm into that. God. So condescending. Yep. <laughs> All right, Alan. Uh, I would like to propose a chase. Okay. Oh, yes. Sure. Yes. Uh, my, my initial thought, and I'm open to... Uh, any suggestions from you? Uh-huh. What, what are Kasema's pronouns, by the way? She, her. She, her. Great. Um, my, my initial thought would be um, me chasing you, mm-hmm. which kind of makes sense on its head. Yeah. Um, and thinking about it in terms of maybe even immediately following this restaurant scene, like spotting you exiting this place, or hmm. maybe there's a more interesting setup that might trigger a chase. Yeah. How about... Um, Kasema's leaving the restaurant, mm-hmm. um, and she's turned down an alley. Um, Suspicious. And uh, to sort of, like, blow off some steam, and also to sort of feel like proving and testing some of the things that Warren Redling Bones said, uh, Kasema's just sort of going to try and do some very tiny magic. Okay. Um, now, as a tiny witch... Tiny magic is a funny... Yeah. As a witch, you can't really do tiny magic. Uh, everything you do is very big. Um, so, while she is trying to just do a little bit of tiny magic, um, it attracts your attention. Mm-hmm. Because unbeknownst to Kasema, behind her, the alley collapses. And that's flying bricks. Well, seems I found my perpetrator. Uh, I think from the end of the alley, I, I think a, a, a physical characteristic of Thomas um, that makes sense to me is, is that his clothes uh, automatically, because... It, Order magic is all about like routines and like manipulating uh, reality mm-hmm. and objects based on familiarity and, and constructing routines. That his uniform slash clothes constantly shift and change to be proper to whatever the situation is. Um, so my little three piece suit and hard black shoes um, kind of morph into like. Uh, like more of a policeman's or like a Bobby outfit. Um, and I, I think I'd see you there and kind of like call out something along the lines of you there. Uh, it looks as though you're doing an, uh, uh, an improper conduct of the magical manipulation of ley line energies. Kasama looks up and just books it. Oh, <laughs> running, running. <laughs> so like a fucking lifeguard in a community pool. <laughs> So the quarry conducts the chase, and this is going to be sort of semi-out of character. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's coins here. There, I, the main reason I picked this one is because I wanted to see the coin mechanic in action. Yeah. So um, first we're going to say where I'm going. Uh, and Kasema is trying to head back, not to her shop, but to some more witches that could perhaps serve as backup. I'm going to lead the hunter through a series of four challenges and or admissions. I choose freely because the third one must be an admission. I can use magic. And so can you. Each of us will gain coins representing the distance we are each able to gain on the other. So, I lead a dizzying course through the blind alleys and hidden paths. Follow me if you want, but throw. On tails, you're lost and won't be able to find your way back. Here I go. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Heads. All right. I think, to even though I don't know where I'm going and you mm-hmm. do, that I 
use my manipulation of the streets and alleyways to create a basically a grid line on the ground that can nice. direct me, sort of like a an arrow that points in whatever direction. Like a you quest marker. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, so I have like a Chiron that like uh directs me towards you um and i run after you and uh and as i'm pursuing you at this point i say uh, i have now been forced to cast a spell that will go into your report um <laughs> and then my uh the button on my jacket uh kind of like slowly shifts into a whistle and i blow it into my i put it in my mouth and i blow it really hard so people get out of the way nice oh uh, cool involuntarily like people just like find themselves. Well, I, I would hope that they would respect the whistle. Is really. Oh, oh okay. Oh, it's, I just, didn't, it's just it's just a prayer. It's just a Not, whistle. Yeah, it's, it's a mundane just a whistle. whistle. Well, because yeah. because back at the center where I'm from, if I blew a whistle while running down the street, everyone would file into orderly lines and respectfully look away. Um, <laughs> oh my God! So are there situations where people don't move and you just have to sit there whistling in front of them until they pick up the yeah, cue? Yeah, and it's confusing to me, and and they like stare at me and they're like, "What are you doing?" Um, and I'm like, "Stop! I'm please stop blowing the whistle." What do you? What is the problem? So I scramble up a rickety stairwell on the side of a tall building. Follow me if you can keep up, but throw on tails. The way is exhausting, and I gain a coin. Uh-huh. <laughs> All uh, right. Great. So I think I just, uh, with with like surprising dexterity, mm-hmm. uh, I just climb up after you. Um, and along the way, uh, I touch sections of the scaffolding and the stairs that don't look like they've been maintained properly recently. Um, and little like pink ribbony flag markers uh, just appear on them so that I can come back and file proper complaints later. Nice. You're just helping me do my job at this point. I come to a dangerous leap, and I hesitate, stealing myself. Throw. On heads, you race up behind me, and so gain two coins. Ooh, two coins. Oh, I fail. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, so so you put some distance between me here? Mm-hmm. How, how do you do that? So, um, I think Kasema leaps. And it isn't just a normal leap. You're running up, and you're just about to... Catch up because you've been making pace with her, even with all of the whistling and uh, and marking for different things. You've just been keeping up, and Kasema's at the edge, uh, and you're about to touch her, and the air around you just starts blowing hard, and it lifts Kasema up, and it flings her across in between the two buildings. And this is a leap that you could still make to mm-hmm. keep following her. But it's definitely alarming. You have to take a moment to put your coat back on the right way regulation and steady all of your uh, 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 little hems in your pants. Make sure that your shoe laces are still fully tied. Um, yeah, I think the, the disarray of it all just mm-hmm. like rattles me and makes me dizzy and feel sick. Yeah. Um, and I just, for a second, I have to like put my hands on my knees and be like... Mm-hmm. Okay, all of the stuff can be fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, everything can be put back into its place. <laughs> yeah, but bec- but as Kasema lands, she has definitely hurt herself. Inflicting, inflicting intentional self harm is uh, also uh, not legal. You're just racking up. The more you run, the more charges you rack up. So as we're racing along the rooftops, we end up on uh, one of the platforms, and I am just quick enough to catch a passenger steam train to another part of the city. Follow if you can catch the train, but throw. On heads, we are bound for a part of the city you know well, and you gain a coin. On tails, you are in another train car and must make your way back up to me, and so I gain a coin. Okay. Yeah. All right, you have a coin. I get a coin. Um... Yeah, unfortunately for you, I have the ta- timetables of all the trains comings and goings pretty well memorized at this point. Um, and I just kind of like take a shortcut to the next stop and uh, get get on. I just get on and, and I'm in your car just like that. Mm-hmm. So, so we have ended the chase. Um, the hunter has more coins than the quarry. So... Uh, I need to pick one of these five options, and I will say 
I have somehow turned myself around. I blunder into you. Ooh. So as you're walking onto the train, I'm like, all right, I'm on the train and I'm going to get off the train so that Thomas doesn't realize that this despicable, because I don't know your name yet, the despicable order agent doesn't realize what's happening. And as you walk on the train, I'm walking out of the train and we just comedy, romantic comedy meet, bump into each other. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm kind of surprised by this, but uh, I, I I give you a nod and I say, ah, turning yourself in was the right move. <laughs> I will make a note of this when I book you. Kasama sighs. <laughs> <sighs> Fuck. <laughs> well, heroes, that's it for One Shot this week, but don't worry. We'll be back next week with more Hearts of Magic. In the meantime, you should check out some of the other great gaming shows on the One Shot Network. Like All My Fantasy Children. All My Fantasy Children is a character creation, world building, and storytelling podcast powered by you. Each week, best friends Aaron Catano Saez and Jeff Stormer take a listener submitted prompt and, using some of their favorite tabletop RPGs, create an original fantasy character. Along the way, they populate a shared universe one story at a time. They share laughs, stories, and verbal hugs along the way. As always, we end one shot with a call to action. This week, I want to encourage everyone to call their representatives. And if you can't think of an issue that you'd like to call about, guess what? If you head over to fivecalls.org, that's the number five, calls.org, you'll be able to find a list of issue summaries of many different issues affecting the country, a lot of which I am certain you care about. You'll also be able to find contact information for your representatives at their various offices and a script to read while you're on the phone so you can get your point across effectively and clearly. Calling is mostly painless and takes just a few minutes, and it can make a huge difference on issues that you care about. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest one-shot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod, or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at GameMaster at OneShotPodcast.com. OneShot is a production of the OneShot Podcast Network, in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at P-A-R-A-C-O-S-M-Press.com. Finally, that music, which is right now swelling up over my voice, is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes. Heroes.